Hello and welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey. I'm Jude. How you doing, Trey? I love the fact that if we are true to our schedule, last week we had a whole episode about should the MCU slow down? It sucks that we don't know when the next thing is coming out. And in that week, we have found out that apparently Secret Invasion is coming out on June 21st. <laughs> <laughs> but did, wait, 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 didn't you say they pulled it down? So essentially what's happening is somebody found on the Disney Plus site Secret Invasion coming June 21st. Then after that hit all the social media airwaves, that page was taken down from Disney Plus. Yeah. And then today, March 31st, was it Vanity Fair? I think it was Vanity Fair put out an interview with Samuel Jackson spotlighting Secret Invasion. So the hype machine's starting to roll, especially with rumors about getting uh, a trailer this coming Sunday for us. Uh, the day so after April Fool's. Yeah. Well, it's not April Fool's yet. I can't fall for something that hasn't happened yet. Well, I'm just saying, if it's if it's Sunday, they're waiting till day after April Fool's. Right. Do you do anything for April Fool's? Do you like try to trick people? The only time I remember like actively being excited about April Fool's was in kindergarten. And then after that was just like, eh. And then of yeah. course the podcast one we did. Yeah. So wait, we did an April Fool's podcast? No. I've taken every episode as it's <laughs> full on professional serious. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Um. <laughs> okay, so I, I will say I've I've kind of given up. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the two things I would like to do though is at my school there's a museum, and I've wanted to put my kids' paintings and arts up one t- one time. You know, like just the finger paint, like the two year old type stuff that you keep. I haven't done that, but I thought that would be fun. Uh, but I actually, you know, because. Most people know, oh, it's April Fool, you know, kind of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I actually tried to pull an April Fool's like two days ago when my youngest was like, What day is it? It's like April 1st. No, it's not April Fool's. Uh, <laughs> but she didn't fall for it then either. So, the only like, I never do it specifically for April Fool's, but I like playing pranks. Like, I remember yeah. one time uh, I house sitted for a friend and I bought a bunch of like post-it notes and I limited myself to just like the living room because any other place I think would be out of bounds, but mm-hmm. I would stick like little post-it notes, like in their DVD covers and their coffee table books, like under their cups, like all over that little place. They yeah. were finding them for years. Like I'm talking three years later, just like little notes hidden throughout their living room. And it would make them laugh every time they found one. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> And you know what makes this fun for me right now? What? So we're talking about April Fool's, but this is going to drop a Monday way into April. <laughs> April Fool's. We are the true fools of this April. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I think if you downloaded this episode, then you know we're going to be talking about, do the Spider-Man home movies work without the Marvel Studios characters? And so I think the easiest place to start is by acknowledging some of the criticisms that the the MCU's rendition of Peter Parker, which are 
what was the the joke iron man jr in no mm-hmm. way home yeah. uh the fact that he hasn't been his own character and more has been like just under other mentors in the mcu how do you feel about this so far before we get into the meat of the episode i have not been bothered by those those things i get that okay you know the mentor I mean, he's a kid. They wanted to go back to him being a kid. It makes sense for me, the way they did it. Um, and, and so in that sense, it, that's never bothered me, you know? Yeah. And, and honestly, in the, in the far from home, I felt like he did kind of move away from the mentor. Cause like he had that, I realized, Oh, he's not truly a mentor. And I know that they had, you know, happy flying the plane for him. Um, and he was building his own suit, but to me that was kind of showing like, okay, I'm taking this and yes, I might be using Stark tech, but I'm building it to my specifications and what I want and, uh, what I need. And and so, and so there, I kind of took that as he's moved on. So I, I don't know. I, it didn't bother me as much as the way I think it bothered other people. I think you and I are, are on a similar page here. Uh, and I've talked about it before. I think probably even when we did our no way home review that like death taxes, and there will always be Spider-Man movies. Like regardless if it is no longer Peter Parker, if the MCU movies are long gone, somebody's going to be making a Spider-Man film, but it feels like this is a once in a lifetime opportunity where you get to have a Spider-Man film set in a world of a larger cast. Like we got those individual Spider-Man movies with the Tobey Maguire and the Andrew Garfield movies, but it's a rare thing to get the Peter Parker that we got in this MCU. And I think the other thing that makes it go down easier without just reiterating the things that you were saying is, and I think this is easier to say now that we've said we've seen no way home, but it almost feels like that trilogy was almost its own origin story because of the way no way home ends where he is isolated. He is on his own and he doesn't have the access to Stark tech or any Avengers tech. We've gotten to that place where people wanted Spider-Man from the beginning. Yeah. And so this feels like one long origin story for me that really works. Which what is interesting is my, how do I want to word it? I, I didn't like how it ended. And mainly, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I felt every moment of it. Like, I get the, the you know, I just, I, I didn't like the memory reset. You know, maybe they retro it with Multiverse Saga in such a way that I'm like, oh, okay. You know, and I, and I, and I take it a little bit easier. But I just, I don't know. It, it just, that didn't sit well with me. You know, um, but again, that was also thinking in, in terms of not these three movies as a trilogy on its own and in the larger picture. Right. And, and so and so in that in that sense, I agree with you. If like if this is the only three you're considering just you know, we're, we're kind of like one of the things I love about Iron Man three. It feels like if you don't see Iron Man again, there is a closure for that character. And, and I feel like you get that in terms of what you were saying here in, in the No Way Home. Mm-hmm. The Home. Has there ever been an official trilogy name for them? Is it just Home Trilogy? 
home run home run <laughs> now we're really calling back to old episode <laughs> home home cubed i don't i don't know um the homebody i don't i don't think so the homebody there you go <laughs> uh well you know what the let's let's kind of dive in on a movie by movie basis because the whole point of our episode today is discussing whether or not these movies would work without the other Marvel Studios characters. So, of course, Spider-Man Homecoming, you had Tony Stark, you had Happy Hogan. Uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, you had Happy Hogan again, as well as Nick Fury slash Talos. And then in Spider-Man No Way Home, of course, uh, Happy, but also Doctor Strange. Now, of any of these three movies, what do you think was gained most by having those paired characters with Peter Parker? dealer's choice you can go to any one of them the first one what do you think is gained most by having tony stark uh what i, what I think is gained most there is you have in stark an established character that we know and the stark tech and the ability uh to create those things right whereas like i can imagine a way like, like how does spider-man get that suit, you know, not the homemade suit, but the, the nicer, I'm going to say the nicer suit, right? I think it actually is just straight up called Stark tech suit. <laughs> right. Right. And and I, there's ways you can do that of, of how does this kid get access, you know, and I get he's intelligent and in, in, in that, but there's still an element of like accessibility to the materials and the tech and, and like, how does that happen? you don't have to do that when you have Stark and the Stark tech. It's just, it's an easy, Oh, this is how he got it. Whereas like, you know, go to the other two Spider-Man where Raimi's version and you see McGuire, you know, doing sketches and stuff and trying to make it Garfield, you know, testing the, the little fiber line and it blows up in his face and, and you see him making it and, you know, like, you don't have to spend time on that. Oh, Stark, give it to him. Go. Yeah. It's like a cheat sheet. Yeah. And so, and so in that sense, that's why I say that's the one benefited the most. Yeah. It really feels like the MCU Spider-Man wanted to jump over all of the origin stuff for better or worse. Like we've already seen it multiple times. Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, they wanted to get us in the ground running as fast as possible. So I think you're spot on with Tony Stark gives you that cheat sheet, but it almost felt like given the way the trilogy, the home trilogy ends up that they wanted Tom Holland, Peter Parker to be a major face of Marvel studios moving forward. Of course mm -hmm. we almost lost him in what 2019. And I yes. think we've seen a bit of a pullback, like even to the things that I think you don't like about no way home. We've seen, Marvel Studios trying back away from making him too much of a figurehead, yeah. but it felt like at a time that's what they wanted to do. So pairing him with Tony Stark, who was the, or who is a foundational piece of Marvel Studios was such a brilliant move because not only do you have Peter Parker, you know, coming of age, teenage superhero story that we're very familiar with, but you have Tony Stark, who we saw go through that same change later in his life through the MCU and getting to reinforce the things that he's learned through Peter Parker. So that was a very cool relationship to bring him. Like, I think it's it's fundamental to why Endgame is so moving 
when Tony Stark sacrifices himself because yeah, we saw him learn through his journey, but getting to getting to see him actually instill that through Peter Parker mm-hmm. helped uh, yeah. an end game. Oh, so yeah. I think it, it both like what's gained most is that it, it, it helps Peter's story and also helps Tony's story too, which feels like it's a, a, a gold standard that we talk about, like why black Panther and Spider-Man work so well in, in, in civil war because it services both stories. Right. Yeah. Versus what we talked about with Wakanda forever and uh, Siri and um, America Chavez. I will say another thing that I think is gained by having the Marvel Studios characters in Homecoming, sticking with this one for now, is Happy Hogan. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, the big draw, Robert Downey Jr. is in the Spider-Man movie. Like that Like that was the marketing material to the, to the point that they were making fake scenes that didn't even make it into the, the movie. The, right, right. But again, knowing what what role Happy played in the development of Peter Parker, it was very nice to see him here because he's more of that functional piece between the two. Mm-hmm. And so to see Happy Hogan, who was so pivotal to Tony and the Iron Man movies, slowly transitioning to being not necessarily a father figure, but kind of close to it with Peter Parker, like Homecoming really sets that up wonderfully. Right. Yeah, and I like the way you just put that because it does set up wonderfully. You have the the, the father figure, um, especially the way you, with the little screen time, but what you see of the two of them together in the next two. All right, sticking with what's been gained the most, I'm going to go ahead and pivot to No Way Home, and that one features Doctor Strange, and straight up, you don't have multiverse shenanigans without Doctor Strange. Like that movie needs him to get to where we ultimately end up by the end. And I feel like that's a special relationship on a story level, but even within just the characters interacting themselves, the transition from having a mentor who truly cared about Peter Parker, almost like a father with Tony to more of a like, Hey, we need you, but like, I'm not going to show you any easy way out with Nick Fury slash Talos. Like he was very stern on him and far from home to a mentor ish. I don't even want to say mentor. Cause that defeats the purpose of what I'm about to say, but having Dr. Strange, who's like, no, I'm going to treat you like an equal because we've worked together, saving the universe for, and then him having to be like, Oh crap. I forget. You're just a kid sometimes, mm-hmm. <laughs> which oh, yeah. ushers in Peter Parker's growth by the end of that movie where he finally respects him. Like, we're all going to miss you, Peter. Like he finally sees him as more of like, yeah, just a kid. <laughs> That's a nice way I, to put it. I just, just don't agree with you. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I think for doing the multiverse stuff and being in the MCU world, MCU. Yes. Everything you said makes sense. And that's great. But if the only reason you choose Dr. Strange is to get that MCU world, you know what I mean? Versus any other character. It's like, Oh, I'm writing a script. I want to do multiverse stuff. It's, it's similar. To Dr. Strange. You know, my thing is you still could have done a multiverse thing. And without Dr. Strange. I was going to ask, cause you, you seem to have a pause on your face whenever I said you cannot do multiverse without Dr. Strange. So I'm curious how do you do it? Like, how do you see that happening without him? 
I don't know, you can get Kingpin to make a big machine that's going to not do well, but then cross other spider people over. Didn't we see that movie already? We did. I mean, you get my point. I get your point. Yeah. Like, like, like that is, that's the script writing function, Mm -hmm. right? That like, whereas Tony for me truly did something for efficient storytelling in the suit and yet have that mentor figure that you're missing with uncle Ben, you know, and and you kind of have that replacement maze there. And so you kind of get that dynamic but in No Way Home, it could have been the MCU's version of Doc Ock. And then this Doc Ock shows up. Like, it could have been, like, you know what I mean? Like, like you could have found, you know, and, and the only reason why I say that's different there is, like, is, you know, what is it that you write into the story that says, here's what's going to get the multiverse? Right, and I think that's an easier thing to do without pulling from the MCU than in the very first movie. Because, like, let's say you take my same logic and you say Otto Octavius, kind of like the video game, right? And so maybe that's where he gets his tech. Well, that's a character that people are familiar with, but it's also going to be a new introduction character. So you're going to have to explain what is, how do they know each other? Doctor Octavius, what is he working on? So Peter has access to it, you know, and that screen time used, whereas like Stark just fixes all that, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas over here with, you just need a reason for the multiverse to to break. Whether it comes from Peter's world or somebody else's world coming in, it doesn't really matter. The pushback I would have on that is the same way that you describe Tony Stark, well, my words, but summarizing what you said, Tony Stark being a cheat sheet to get over like the origin stuff of building the suit, building the web, stuff like that. We just got it and go. That's what Doctor Strange feels like to me without having to do the the other work. Like the Kingpin stuff makes sense, but I think with it being animation, there's an easier leap to make of, oh, multiverse shenanigans versus a live action adaptation where again, I know these are superhero movies, but you do have some groundwork you have to lay before you start seeing live action. Okay. Then let's multiverse shenanigans. Then let's try this, right? Doc Ock, all of them died Mm -hmm. and they end up over here, right? Well, pull the two towers. Okay. So I don't feel like this is spoilers. These are the 20 year old range. Hold on. Uh, Let's do the uh, spoilers in real quick. Nice. Okay. But like, it's, it, you know, you get the, you get the Gandalf, you shall not pass two towers begins with there. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you follow Gandalf. Okay. Whatever. Start this movie with the original footage and end of Spider-Man two and it crushing down. And that chain reaction is what breaks open the, the, the universe. Okay. And so it makes sense that it's only pulling in characters from that world. You know, now mm-hmm. how do we get Garfield there? That's the issue. But in other words, like, like the, the, you can find a cheat sheet in the other movies. Okay. I'm not going to lie. Whenever this episode was pitched, 
I forgot that No Way Home wasn't your favorite. So I wasn't anticipating this, but I'm liking this conversation. Like this is fun trying yeah. to to uh go back and forth on the uh effectiveness of these pairings. Right. Now I will say the element of trying to hide, which they somebody did a very poor job of doing, that you're gonna get a Spider-Verse movie is completely gone if you go that route. <laughs> well, for better or worse, they did a decent job. Like they they were upfront about the villains are coming in. Right. They did their best to keep a lid on the fact like there wasn't in any of the advertising that the trio was there. Right. So kudos to that. And I think I think there's a billion universes where that becomes the like, hey, come see this movie. We've got all three. Like after the movie had been out for a few weeks, they did that. Oh yeah. But yeah. leading up to the movie, they didn't. Yeah. No, no, no. You're right. Okay. So to keep this from being just a no way home episode, let's pivot well, uh, to. And I was, I was just intentionally pushing back on that, yeah. on your thought there. Yeah. Yeah. We'll revisit it. Cause like I said, we're still in the most gained section. I'm sure we'll revisit this when we, what are the detractions, but I want to hit far from home because there's a reason why I skipped over it. I personally feel like this is the least beneficial Marvel studios pairing of the three, but I'm curious, how do you feel about Nick Fury slash Talos in far from home? Is there anything we gained? Oh, I, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I really don't. Um, I think we touched on it in that happy, I think is more so the bigger draw than Nick Fury to me because you have that solidified, not like, I mean, just two people who understand, like they both lost someone very important to them and they're bonding over that. And happy's getting to see Tony live on through Peter, but Nick Fury and Peter Parker. Like I remember watching like, oh yeah, he's being incredibly hard on him for some reason and I don't get it. And then we get the big like Talos reveal, but none of that feels substantial in a way that I was able to pull any gains. No, you're right. I feel like that's attachment to the MCU, that connective tissue. Happy Hogan. Is that his transition? Well, I, I mean, he was in the first one, so that carries over. So it's like if you try to imagine these three outside of the MCU, whoever that character was, Happy Hogan in the first one, replays that role here. You know what I mean? So as much as I was pushing back on No Way Home, I don't have a good way to push back on you here. Because I mean, even it's it's like, I thought it was a very clever way, a good way to do Mysterio with the Stark tech. But again, that, to me, that's a, a a writing thing because I'm writing a script and this is, I have access to this. I think you can still find a way to do that without having, you know, to use Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Now, and, and don't get me wrong, like I can already hear the pushback for some on my own of like, wait, you can find a way to do it without Star Trek in the first one. Well, yes, you can't. I don't think it makes it as good of a movie or as well paced of a movie because it's the first one and you can't rely on audience knowledge from something else to save that time and pacing. Does that make sense? You can't rely on audience past knowledge for an homecoming. Right. Because if you didn't use Stark and Stark tech, well, now you're spending time up front to explain and develop characters of how he gets there. Right. Whereas 
So that's why it's most to me most beneficial because you save that time in terms of pacing. Gotcha. That makes sense to me now. Whereas like if you did that in the second one, the work has been done in the first movie that whatever characters and stuff you establish here is pulling over. And so that's why Stark tech isn't necessary because you are relying on what you did in the first one mm-hmm. to pull over. You know, it's kind of like, you know, the whole Spider-Man three. I know it's not everybody's favorite, but it's like Sam Raimi's Spider-Man three. Yeah. Right. But, but how did, you know, how does Harry Osborn get the gear? Well, he's Harry Osborn and we've established the gear that his dad had in the first one. Like, you know what I mean? Right. You don't have to explain that because it's in world already from that trilogy. And so whatever's in world from the first one, you're just going to borrow into the second one. And, and that's the advantage I think Stark had in homecoming. Whereas in this one, it didn't feel as necessary to have to weave in the grudge right. Quentin Beck had against Tony Stark. Right. Like you've already established, I see your point now. You've already established the world in which Stark tech's out there. These villains are building their identities based off of that tech. Yeah. Okay. Well, pivoting to what are the flaws of having to pair these MCU characters in the Spider-Man films uh, feels like a good transition here with the far from home uh, movie, but we've already talked about how Iron Man Jr. Feeling like he's got training wheels on never really feeling to be like his own character, but moving past that, I think there becomes this obligatory nature of it. If it keeps happening, like if Spider-Man four comes around and it's like, Oh, now we have him with Hulk or whatever, like, that's going to feel like a repeated cycle to me. Whereas I like, I want to see him on his own. Like, I don't need to see the, the, the Spider-Man film plus an established Marvel studios character to, to keep going into this new trilogy. Oh, I, I think that would make it worse for me. Cause, cause to me, what's the, what's, what was the point of making everybody forget mm-hmm. if you're going to pull in another character? Right. Like, like, cause now it's like the work you have to do feels like it would detract from this new story you're telling you know so so i'm 100 percent with you on that right and, and that's the other part where i didn't like it because it was just like it didn't feel like an element of growth on his part you know because it, it's like this is what you wanted and yeah it's gonna suck but i would have liked it more of like sorry kid you don't always get what you want and it's because it's still gonna suck like, like you know what i mean like mm-hmm. And so in there, it wasn't like, for me, oh, your lessons learned kind of thing. And it's fine. It's the movie they made. But now, like you said, if you bring in Hulk, Daredevil, She-Hulk, insert whoever you want. I mean, I guess you go the way of saying they remember Spider-Man. They just didn't know he's Peter Parker. That's going to be the caveat for sure. Yeah. It, you know, and, and so it's just kind of like, I don't know. It it feels like it should be on its own, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and that's the other places. It feels like it should be on its own. And it's like, what, if you try to slip them into a Venom movie or anything else that Sony's trying to and bounce back and forth somehow, it's like, 
it, it feels the Tom Holland Spider-Man's truly in some kind of weird limbo. Right. Like you're seeing the matrix, like you see the studio deals between them. You don't see a narrative kind of thing. That was one of my flaws is this obligatory nature of including a character. But is it only because I know it's Marvel studios and Sony? Like I didn't feel this way about Thor and Hulk. And a part of me was hoping Hulk would show up in love and thunder before even having seen the movie. Cause I liked that relationship so much. So I've been trying to figure out like what it is about, Spider-Man being paired with other Marvel Studios characters, because that's the whole point of it, right? It's a connected world. We all we always want right. to have them meet up with other ones. But I guess the thing I settled on is maybe because we truly haven't seen a solo Spider-Man film yet. And that's what I'm kind of yearning for at this point. The closest one being Far From Home. See, and I don't even think it's that. I think it's just... There's, a, for me, a weird knowledge that these three are separate. And part of getting Spider-Man is we get to use one of your characters, you know, um, because it does feel, because we can have this conversation and say you can do it without them. You're not going to look at Ragnarok and say, uh, you could have done that with somebody else besides Hulk. You, you know what I mean? Like, like they're truly connected. Um, Sam Wilson and Captain America. You know, and the, like, like you see that over multiple movies are truly connected. You know, part of why it would have made sense to have Bucky show up at the funeral in Wakanda forever. I mean, how much time did you spend it in Wakanda? Yeah, I mean, how much time did you spend it in Wakanda and 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 stuff there? Like it, like it, it. That's a connected world. It 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 wouldn't to me have felt like fan service. It would have felt like something normal because of that relationship they've built, you, you know what I mean? And, and what they've done for Wakanda and, and those types of things, um, or I'm sorry, what Wakanda has done for, for Bucky. And so in, in that way, or even Sam Wilson, and I know this is some stuff we talked about paw off pod, right? He got his, his new set of wings from them. So it, it would have made sense. That they're showing up to honor T'Challa. Aside from the fact that nobody else outside of Wakanda was invited, but yeah. <laughs> but I, I get it, right? But like, but again, that's to me that was an oversight, right? Because you have that connected world, okay? And and now and I get it. Like, there's a practical our world reason scheduling, yeah, yeah, scheduling costs. I understand that, but no one from the MCU shows up in a Spider-Man movie. I don't question it. When they don't show up in an MCU movie, you're like, this is, what are the other Avengers? <laughs> what are they doing? Why aren't they? Like, like you, yeah. you know what I mean? It, it is, it's and, the it's, meta it's, knowledge of it, knowing and, these are two studios. Yeah. Hmm. Which really, I mean, that's, that's the hardcore Marvel fan in us because like the average movie goer probably doesn't know there's a distinguished between the two. They probably do. I would say they don't care. <laughs> Oh, that's great. <laughs> well, I guess it does take a, a special kind of person to want to dedicate an entire podcast to a franchise. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I mean, th- I mean, think about it. Your average movie goer, mm-hmm. you know, and when I say average movie goer, like purely you're going to be entertained. You want to see it because it looks good. Um, you're not trying to hide from trailers. Like you're using right. that to kind of decide. 
Which I'm you glad know. you're illustrating because like this, it's no mean by no means pejorative to me to say like the average like it's not an intelligence thing. It's just like, oh yeah, they're just going to be entertained. It's not like diving into the nitty gritty of all this, right? And they're not as the nitty gritty. They're not as worried about all the connective mm-hmm. tissue and how how does this work? Um, that's like a yeah. bonus, you know. And and whereas that's something we love and enjoy about it is that connective element um and so that's why it's like they probably i'm willing to bet the average movie gover knows they just don't care <laughs> love it well i came out with a flaw do you have one that you'd like to spotlight we've been huh. pretty extensive i think in covering the main ones yeah like like i think the biggest one and don't get me wrong like i really really like far from home i do too before no way home it was my favorite but it's, it's not necessary mm-hmm. you know do you feel like we lost out on uncle ben because of the pairing of the of tony stark no, I don't feel like we lost out on the thing of Uncle Ben. Like, because to me, there was an element of, I, I was on board. I agree that we've seen the Uncle Ben thing twice, right? I mean, hell. That, Rookie the numbers Bat- compared to Batman. <laughs> well, I mean, the Batman, they didn't do, I don't remember him doing. I don't think. The Bruce, the the Wayne death. I don't remember it off the top of my head either. I don't think they did. There may have been like a throw, not a throwaway line, but an offhand comment about it, yeah. but I don't think they reenacted it. Yeah. Right. Like, like it was part of the character and it's there and homecoming. It's part of the character and it's there in the sense of like, May's already been through so much. We all know what he's talking about. You know, the uncle Ben initials on the briefcase and far from home. Yeah. You don't need that to, like, like that's such in the, the, the conscious psyche, you know, enough of it, enough that you don't need to rehash it. And I'm fine with that. And I think similar to the Batman. All right. Well, we've talked gains from having the pairings. We've talked flaws from having the inclusion of the MCU characters. But something that has fascinated me, I think we've we spotlighted it once with uh, JB in our villains episode. Has Peter Parker had a true villain in the Marvel studios movies yet. I feel like the answer is no, I am right there with you. I don't think it, he has either obvious ones, Tony Stark villains, Vulture and Mysterio, but in no way home, those are all the Sony villains. And in a weird way, I don't want to say the other two Spider-Man were villains, but in a weird way they were in that, your main it, it 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 was almost the first black panther treatment where in the end your hero your antagonist and protagonist learn something from each other but ultimately your protagonist wins and so with toby and andrew tom learned something right but because of their actions he's cleaning up their mess, which is very similar to like how Mysterio became there, Tony's mess, how Vulture became, it was Tony's mess, you know? So while they did, while he did learn something from them, they just as much learn from him and 
was a catalyst or cause for those villains. What's interesting to me is we say this from this movie's perspective of Tom Holland's Peter Parker is like, they died because of you. But go back to Spider-Man 1 Raimi. Toby didn't kill Goblin. Goblin killed himself trying to kill Peter. He jumped out of the way. Yes. Peter tried to save Otto Octavius. He sacrificed himself. So I see what you mean, cleaning up their mess. But it's only like, like this doesn't sway me on it being more Holland. This is so hard to talk about all three Spider-Man movies. Uh, Heroes. It doesn't dissuade me from Holland not having his own villain. But it is interesting to have that perspective of like, oh, it was their mess they were cleaning up. They did the best they could from their perspective of their movies. But and but I mean the but the but the whole idea, right, in No Way Home, and I know this isn't a No Way Home deep dive, but it is like, well, they didn't actually kill them. They weren't trying to save them the way Holland was. Okay, I can get behind that. It's more of an active it's not the Batman, I don't have to kill you thing. It's like, I'm actively yeah, going to save the, you. That's so dumb. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I love it, but it's I just I love like, it, but it's a dumb line. <laughs> it, it is, it's not just such a dumb line, but it's just like, well, and this is, and, and it's why I, I love using it, although I'm not going to use it this year, why I love using that movie in my class when we're talking morality. You know, because you get that whole intention, action, inaction, it's like, no, dude, like your intent was for him to go down with the train. You're overemphasizing the action, your action object. Like you chose not to act, dummy. Like, <laughs> it's just <laughs> like, yeah. you know, no, I get um, it. And students pointed out, students pointed out, I was like, what's his one rule? His one rule. I was like, you got to treat him as separate movies. Mm-hmm. You got to treat him as separate movies. Okay, no, I'm fully on board with you now. It's more of an act of like Tom Holland tried to like fix them. Well, I, th- I think in the end we, we can just—it's both part of the flaw and gain, right? The flaw of like we didn't see the tr- in a traditional sense protagonist antagonist his villain, but the gain out of it was the, that what we talked about with the extra connective tissue. To the MCU, you know, I mean, I can push that a little bit further and kind of like how one gets sucked into that world and like, you know, the things that the heroes do affect everybody kind of, this is an example about that. And so I kind of think, but I think I'm pushing that a little bit too far, but it's definitely that connective tissues again. 100%. And, and I never really appreciated until now because of how we started this episode. I said, Death, taxes, Spider-Man movies, but this is the only time. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to get a Spider-Man in such a heavily connected world like this, which I think No Way Home is the culmination of that because it is a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that you're going to get the three Spider-Man actors as well as their villains in such a unique way. So that in itself is a gain, while the flaw is we haven't had a true... Like, and when I say like having their own villain, it's like we talk about it all the time. The villain is often the problem in which the protagonist is trying to overcome on their own, whether it's internal, emotional, whatever, like they represent what it is the main character is focusing with. And I don't know if we've quite had that yet, but 
they have found a way to make compelling stories, even with its unique structure. So now that we've gone through the gains, the flaws, and the villain structure, I think it's time to answer the question of the podcast. Do these movies work without the Marvel Studios characters? Homecoming, we'll start there. I think we were pretty adamant. No. Yeah. I feel like no. No, it's crucial. That one works really well. Far From Home? Yes. Yes, works. You could take out Nick Fury. Yes. And I do love how we've highlighted that. That's a transitional piece for Happy. He's a, he's a Spider-Man Sony character now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Spider-Man No Way Home. I'm going to say yes. It works without. I say no. But can I have a caveat? Can I? I guess. Well, I mean, here's my thing. MCU specifically, yes, I think it worked without it. No, you couldn't do it without the other two Sony Spider-Men. Like, that's what made it so special. I, I can get behind that because I've talked about it before. It's a tale of two movies. First half feels silly. Second half, it's like incredibly emotionally moving. <laughs> yeah. And I think there might be something to it, to the fact that second half is more... Sony Spider-Man properties than Marvel Studios properties. Yeah, so the, so that's so it's it's kind of a weird like yes, it, it could work without the MCU Strange and stuff. But you and again, I know I didn't like the ending, but like the stuff that I didn't like about it is is because it's part of the MCU. You you know what I mean? By itself, you remove that and you just do the Sony properties. You know, I'm not that that expectation of it connecting to all this larger world and what does that mean goes away, you know? And so, and so, and so I hate to, to come across as like, Oh, I just don't like that. Cause it, it was like you said, emotional and satisfying to have all three of them. And it was great, you know, but it's the, the MCU brain of, of connectivity that I'm like, ah, oh, that was a misstep. Um, you know, I always get so worried whenever it's like, Oh man, I hope it didn't come across. Like we really didn't like the movie. I think at this point between multiverse Thor, love and thunder and quantum mania, we have enough examples of what it's like when we truly do not like a movie. Like so it. I don't think you have to worry about it's so hard. You can throw, you can throw Iron Man too. In there, so. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't it, like to as, like assure you, I don't think you're coming across like you don't like no way home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, it, it, but, but that's, but that's the thing. Like, you know that, and that's, and that's the caveat is like, no, you have to have the other Sony characters. You couldn't pull, and, and as much as I used Into the Spider-Verse as an example of a way to do it, they were able to pull in other characters that you didn't know and cleverly set mm-hmm. them up. I don't think you, that works live action without the other two. And like, those villains. All those. Like actors. if you created original Spider-Man renditions brought into it. Yeah. But see, yeah. that goes to like why... It, it, that's that goes to why I say Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange is crucial to that story because mm-hmm. I get what you're you're saying. Yes, you could right away somebody makes a device that brings in the multiverse, but as much ground as that movie has to cover, you've got that work done with Doctor Strange and the multiversal right. aspect that- of it. So that's why, to me, no, No Way Home doesn't work on its own. It needs. That. Yeah, it needs that because live action's that. a harder pull, a harder sell, I should say. Yeah, and and I guess I guess for me because the best and most memorable stuff 
was the Sony property yeah, stuff. Hundred percent. So, well, there you have it. We uh, we we focus here on Spider Man. It's interesting. We what is it? We both had one out of three works. Mm-hmm. You two out of three doesn't work. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I and I think you've kind of convinced me on the third one, but I'm still kind of on the fence on that. I'm gonna win you over one day. Of all the of all the opposite <laughs> ends we've been on, I'm gonna win you over on No Way Home. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it'll be interesting to revisit this once Spider Man Four becomes a thing. But until then, yeah, we'd love to hear what you think. Do the Spider Man Home movies work without the Marvel Studios characters? Uh, you can let us know. At MC you need to know both on Twitter and Instagram. You can reach us there. Best place to get in contact with us is in the Discord, where every episode of our podcast will have its own thread for you to come live react with us and answer questions. Uh, or if you are feeling bold and would like to call us and leave a voicemail that we will feature in the episode, you can reach us at 512-893-1355. And of course, leave us a rating and review, five stars. Uh, preferably uh, I believe Spotify and Apple or wherever else it does it. Um, but honestly, the best review you can give us is share it with friends. Yeah. You know, you know, this is where I would say we were going to thank Nick Sandy, but before we get there, we want to go ahead and let we're done with Nick. <laughs> no more Sandy. Okay. There's our April fool. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. No, what I'm going to say is, uh, we're taking next week off. So it is, if you're listening to this on release day, it is April 10th. We're going to be taking April 17th off and we'll resume podcasts on April 24th. Uh, this is a way for us just to get caught up with our backlog as we kind of fell back a little bit. Uh, and after that one week break, we should be good to go. So yeah, we just want to let people know. And of course, we're not actually eschewing with Nick Sandy. We would like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. You can find more of his work on SoundCloud, which is linked in the show notes as well. That's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. And Jude, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, Trey. We'll see you all in two weeks. Do you want to know how we know it is baseball season? How? My mom just sent me a text, all caps, Tucker, which that only happened. My mom will sit there. It's like we're Astros fans, and my mom will sit there and watch, and she loves Kyle Tucker, and she'll just watch anytime he's at the bat. Tucker, 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 Tucker. And so I know without even watching the game, if I get an all caps Tucker, it is with three exclamation points, he hit a home run. Amazing. <laughs> so, yeah. Even, I know, in the I, world, even in the world baseball classic, when he hit a home run, dude, <laughs> I don't give a crap about baseball. I love it because of your mom and yeah. her, my aunt, your, her love for Tucker has made me like, I'll pay attention now because of her yeah. <laughs> and I'll find so myself going Tucker, 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 Tucker. <laughs> <laughs> Go Astros. Yep. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. All right. uh, How do we get back into this?